Do you feel it's time to finally get your voice out there? Do you have a big message that you want to share with the world? Or do you simply have something that you want to get on your soapbox and talk about to really get the message across? These are all the core reasons why speaking and finding your signature topic could just be the best possible way for you to do this. And I'm not just talking about speaking on stages. I'm talking about speaking on podcasts, at summits, at conferences and workshops. And that is what we are going to dive into big time in this episode of the Untapped Podcast. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this Untapped Podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. So I loved this interview with my guest, Carol Cox. She's the founder of Speaking Your Brand, which is a coaching and training company that helps high-performing, purpose-driven women entrepreneurs and professionals create their signature talks and their thought leadership platforms. She's also a podcast host. She has a weekly five-star rated Speaking Your Brand podcast. And during election season, Carol serves as a democratic political analyst on TV news, just to add a string to her bow. And through her company and content, her mission is to empower more women to find and use their voice to tell the stories that need to be told. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode where Carol shares how to find your thought leadership message and signature talk topic, how to get over the fear of public speaking, and if you're a woman entrepreneur, how to use speaking to really increase your revenue streams. Plus, as part of my new sort of initiative in the Untapped podcast, we go deep into how Carol has built her business from scratch, starting out with a couple of coaching clients through to what she has now, including numbers and all the goodness, and what happened during COVID and how she pivoted massively to build out this whole new aspect of her business when obviously a lot of speaking wasn't able to happen live around the world. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's dive in. Carol Cox, welcome to the Untapped Podcast. So good to have you here. Well, thank you, Natalie. I am so overjoyed to be here. I mentioned before we hit record that I actually started listening to you when you had the Suitcase Entrepreneur Podcast way back. It must have been 2013 is when wow. I found you. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that you told me that. It's so cool to know when people find you, but man, that's a long time ago. Gosh, that was right near the start of the podcast. So thank you for tuning in back then. Can you remember what episode stood out for you just out of interest? I'm curious, or which one was the first one maybe you listened to? So there weren't a lot of podcasts out Mm. back then, like there are now. And this was really in the time when I had an iPod and would connect my iPod to my laptop to transfer the podcast episodes over (laughs) to the iPod to listen to my car. And I know I found you because you were a woman entrepreneur and there weren't a lot of women podcasters back then. And so I listened to a bunch of your episodes. And even though I wasn't a traveler, like obviously I've traveled, but that wasn't the thing I was going to do. I just enjoyed so much that like you were out there experiencing the world and talking about business at the same time. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so funny, even though it's a suitcase entrepreneur, I very rarely talked about travel 
it was almost always running a business from the road. So that's really cool. Thank you for that. And now I'd love to share with others who are listening, how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? Yeah. So my company is called Speaking Your Brand, and we help women entrepreneurs tap into their potential by helping them create their thought leadership platforms and their signature talks for speaking and visibility. I guess I'm called a speaking coach is where you would classify me, but I am the founder and owner of the company. And we have now multiple speaking coaches who work with our clients. I love that actually. And so do you want to share a little bit of your history of how you got to the stage? Because clearly you became a speaker yourself and all those good things and you're passionate about it. But I just love to know the history of Carol. How did she get to this point of founding this company that now trains all these amazing women around the world? Yes, I've always loved public speaking, did speech and debate team in high school and in college. And so I've always kind of putting myself out there. And I'm a Leo born in August. And I know that you're expecting and so perhaps a a Leo baby as well. So I think there's a little bit of the performance aspect of that, that, you know, being on stage. And so then when I got into my career, I actually, before speaking your brand, I had two technology businesses that I had founded. And so I would go to conferences, do speaking engagements there. And people always told me, you're a great speaker, Carol. We always love your presentations. And then I got to the point after doing that for about 10 or 12 years. And I said, well, I want to work with people now not with code. Like I'm just tired of just programming on the computer and dealing with all of the technical support. So I thought, well, what's a new business that I could create? I love the entrepreneur kind of uh, thinking of new things. And I thought, well, let's do speaking your brand. I can help other women entrepreneurs with their public speaking. Let's just see where that goes. And that was in 2015. Oh, wow. So cool. I just wanted to dive back to 10 years ago because I also started by co-founding a tech company. And did get asked to speak a bit back then because one, there weren't many co-founders of tech companies and two, they needed speakers. But were you initially doing those on behalf of promoting the company? And then when did you sort of switch into starting to get paid? Can you remember your first paid speaking gig? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I definitely have done a lot of free speaking engagements and still do if they're the right fit. And so there's definitely a role for that. I would say the first paid ones tended to be more workshop trainings. Where initially, and then eventually got to the point where being paid to be like more of the keynote speaker on the main stage. But I would say initially, and this is what I find with a lot of our clients too, is that tends to be a good route to go because mm-hmm. companies and organizations are used to paying for trainings. So you kind of get your foot in the door there, get some paid speaking engagements. It's great revenue stream. And then you can go and start pitching yourself for the larger events and the conferences that will pay for their speakers. Yeah, I love that actually. And a certain amount of free speeches is great just for your confidence and for gaining the respect and just testing things out. But I agree workshops and especially for corporates who often have a budget for it and you may be speaking to 20, 30, 50, 100 people, it's a good entry level to get in there. And then off the back of that, you can often get work consulting or more workshops. But I'm curious these days, in your opinion, what are the sort of going rates for keynotes? And I know we can dive into all of this, but I just want people to hear because I know it some people can earn extortionate amounts, but what's the sort of average that you could expect when you get quite good as keynotes or is it a huge range? It definitely depends on how much of a high profile you have for that particular event and that particular audience because event organizers need to sell tickets. And so they want a known entity to their audience to help them sell tickets to the event, which is why you see these big name keynote speakers getting invited to at these conferences. So I would say for people starting out, it can be anywhere from a couple thousand dollars 
all the way up to $10,000. When you get into like the 15, 20, $25,000 range, usually you have a speaker's agent, you're working with a speaker's bureau, and you have something that kind of makes you a celebrity, at least a celebrity in your space, Mm -hmm. where again, the conferences realize that you're going to help them sell tickets. Yeah, that's really, really good to know. So good for people to aspire to, but also just realistic about what you can start with as well. And as you say, different conferences have different budgets. I'd just be really curious with COVID knocking so many live events off their feet, obviously, for obvious reasons, and so many people switching to digital online conferences, summits, et cetera. I know you run a summit. How have you seen that affect your speakers and one, their revenue and what they're getting paid and and kind of the difference of delivery? Yeah, this is a great question, Natalie. I would say the professional speakers who go on the speaking circuit, the ones who, again, get paid the 15, 20, 25,000 and more per speaking engagement, they were hit really hard from COVID because that is usually their main revenue stream and they have to show up in person to get paid those amounts. Our clients are entrepreneurs who have their own businesses. So they have revenue streams from their business and they do the speaking because they enjoy it, number one, and it's good visibility and marketing and lead generation for them. And then getting paid on top of it is just extra. Like it's just extra for what they already enjoy doing. And I would say our clients last year, I have clients who've gotten paid $3,000 for a one hour Zoom keynote. Wow. And I've also had clients who've been paid $3,000 for a series of three virtual sessions, like virtual presentations, live ones. So the money is there. Again, it's you know building relationships with companies, organizations, and groups and associations, getting them to know you, and then realizing that you have valuable content that their audience, their members can benefit from. Yeah, definitely. I want to come right back to the beginning of this podcast. Sorry if I'm jumping around, but I've got so many questions for you. But you mentioned being a Leo, you love being on stage, and you've always loved it. That's pretty rare, isn't it? Because I think I've read statistics about how many people are actually very fearful of public speaking. It's actually one of the number one things out there, I think, after death, fear of death. So for those you work with, they're entrepreneurs, they realize it's going to be a really smart move for them to do that. How do you focus on all the benefits that can come from a speaking career or adding that as a revenue stream so that people kind of get past that fear? Do you go into fear-based training or is it more about looking at the opportunities? Well, really, most of our clients who come to us already enjoy public speaking, or at least enjoy it somewhere on the spectrum where they realize they could get better. They wanted to develop more confidence, but they are not totally resistant to it. Otherwise, they probably want to find us to begin with. And so they really, they enjoy it and they want to do more of it. Obviously, we all have some nervousness and some fears and anxiety that come up. And people say this about almost everything. The more you do it, the easier it does get. If you only stand on a stage or in front of a group of people once a year, yeah, you're going to get nervous because you're out of practice. It's not a habit of yours. But like Natalie, I'm sure that, you know, like doing this podcast, when you do it like week in and week out and you schedule all these podcast interviews, like you're just in your flow, the Mm -hmm. same thing with public speaking. And so we recommend for a lot of our clients, maybe who are a little bit newer to speaking or haven't done a lot of it, well, before COVID, go to local networking groups, do a speaking engagement once or twice a month, every month for six months to a year. And then you're going to start developing just those muscles of repetition. Yeah, hundred percent. And also every single one of those events you speak at, if you record it, whether on video or audio, you can actually then potentially repurpose that into a workshop, a paid product. I mean, it's just the list is endless, right? So I think it's not about developing a new talk every single time, but really honing your message, crafting your message, coming to the key point of what you offer, how you stand out, as you said, what you can become known for. And then I reckon that has a ripple effect into everything else that you do as well. 
Absolutely. Yes. So we help our clients create what we call their signature talk. And so it is the foundation for the presentations that they do. And of course, they can adjust it depending on the format and the audience and the particular angle that they want to take, but they're not reinventing the wheel every single time an organization comes to them and say, can you speak to us? And so I'm in the type of person who likes to create new presentations all the time. Obviously, this is what I chose to do for my business, but Mm -hmm. most people don't want to spend that time doing that. So we help them create one signature talk and then teach them how to repurpose it. I love that. And I love that you don't just train people, I guess, for speaking on stage, but as your website clearly says, also for podcasts, online events, summits, et cetera which is so cool. And then to have that key topic, you get asked and invited on more things. Awesome. I'm going to ask you now if we're doing it in a slightly different order, but I want to come back to your story. But are you willing to share some of the key tips that people can think about for themselves, sort of training with you to develop their signature talk? Like what do you actually need? What are some of the key ingredients? Yeah, this is a really good question, Natalie. And so when we work with our clients, we actually start with them thinking about what their thought leadership message is going to be. And so their thought leadership message is a little bit different than say like their marketing and promotion message. And here's how I help them to differentiate. As entrepreneurs, obviously wear many, many hats in our businesses. And there's three main ones that we think are like outward facing. So the first one is as a business owner, prospective clients come to us and say, we need help with something. And as a business owner, we say, sure, like you have a problem. We have a solution. Very easy. You need help with public speaking. We can help you with that. The second external hat is marketing. And as a marketer, we help our prospective clients and our clients' dreams come true. But they know what their dream is. They already have an idea. They want to do a TEDx talk and, you know, stand on the stage with the red dot and have their TEDx video. They want to be a keynote speaker. They want to be paid to speak. So as a marketer, we say we can help your dreams come true. The third hat is as a thought leader. And this is where it's a little bit different. And not all business owners go in this direction, and they could. And the thought leader says to their audience, you haven't thought about X, what would happen if you did? Mm. So you're helping your audience think bigger, differently, kind of even counterintuitively than what they're used to thinking. And that opens up so much for you as the business owner to start breaking through all of the noise that's online, all of the noise that's in everyone's ears and eyeballs all the time. As thought leaders, we help our audiences be self-reflective to learn more about themselves. And as people, that's really what we want. Like, I want to know, how do I show up in this world? How do I relate to other people? Who am I? And as thought leaders, that's what we can help our audiences do. I love that. And it's so much more of a takeaway and much more memorable for people on stage. I, I love people who get up and teach you something. And if it really resonates with you, you'll take it away. But if they leave you thinking or changing your thinking or provoked, hopefully in a good way, or maybe they've rattled you a little, you're far more likely to go away and talk about that talk or speech with somebody else and remember that person and, you know, then check out the rest of their work, whether they have a book or coaching or whatever it may be. So I really love that. And how long do you find people take to develop that unique angle? Because I imagine that actually takes a lot of deep introspection yourself and to think about what you can offer and what's unique and what hasn't been done before, or if it has, what's your take on it? So Is this something that actually is the thing that takes the most time for people to come to? Yeah. So it depends on the person. So when they come to us, like whether they're working with us one-on-one or in our Thought Leader Academy, sometimes they already have a pretty good idea 
of what they get on their soapbox about. What is the thing that they hear or they see something and that ticks them off in their industry and they think things could be different or things could be better. And so this is what I want to talk about. This is what kind of roused me up. So some of them have that. Some of them are not sure yet. And it is a process of uncovering so much of the surface level stuff that we learn as business owners and marketers that we're supposed to put out in order to attract our audiences. But I feel like it gets so cookie cutter and it becomes so stale that people just don't pay attention to it anymore. So you have to ruffle some feathers or suck it up, princess. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> Thank you. Like yes. you're both right. We're like, you're putting it out there and you're being direct. You're being real. You're being bold about it. And that's really what I think more of us should be doing with our content. It's true. And it's so funny you said that because it was a title of the book that I was like, wow, this is going to polarize some people. Some people are going to be really offended by it. Not great timing at the time when I was writing it with COVID, but others are going to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe sometimes that's what I need to tell myself and other times I need compassion. So I definitely know throughout my career where I've probably slipped into sameness or as you said, some of those things you think you should be doing, or you're trying to please people or you don't want to rock the boat. But the people who rock the boat are the ones who are most memorable and they have a raving crew of people who love them and they stand out for that reason and they get asked to speak of things for that reason because they have an opinion on it, but they can also back it up with fact or science or experience or case studies. So yeah, that is just about being bold, right? It's about upping your brave, being bold and continuing to craft that and then look at all the opportunities that come your way. I love just that simple tip of what do you rant about or what riles you up? And as somebody who doesn't actually get riled up often or rant a lot, I think that's an interesting one for me. But I know in the tech world and starting out as a female entrepreneur and all those things, that did used to piss me off a lot. How there were so few female tech founders, how there were so few of them being represented, so few of them being funded, all the things. And it still is actually a passion project of mine, which is why I have my 10K club and why I'm on the mission to help more women earn money. But I could definitely stand on my soapbox about it more because I love it when I see women who are like, this is not good enough. We're still earning 80 cents in every dollar for what men get paid. Like, how do we change that? So yeah, yeah I'd love for you absolutely. listening to think about what that may be. And that I think it probably needs to be a big enough problem that other people can resonate with it. If you're just peeved because your local dog groomer <laughs> isn't doing the best job, probably not world changing. I'm not being silly here, but a little bit. What's important to you may not be important to a, a bigger audience. So to really think about how this is affecting other people. Yes, because you can have lots of rants, but what do you want to be known for? <laughs> I could rant about 20 different things, but I don't want to be known for all 20 of those. Yeah, that's really, really true, actually. I'll try and ask more open-ended question. My partner the other day pointed out that I'm, I'm really good with leading questions. Like, did you enjoy that show? How much did you love having your baby rather than how's it been? So for people who are really trying to develop that signature talk, do you find that as you said before, there's a certain type of personality who's good with that, who can just stick with that and then repurpose them to all sorts of things. Or do you find some people want two or three signature talks because they just like the flexibility and variety to be able to pick and choose? It does vary depending on the person. There are some people who really like to have kind of like tied up with a bow where from beginning to end, they know what it is. They can get really comfortable by presenting it over and over again, again, with slight adjustments for the most part, it stays the same. And they're super comfortable with that. And then there are other clients, people like me who do, we like to kind of change it up. We don't like to get bored with the same material. And so I have a framework that I've developed a few years ago that we use with our clients. It's based on three-act story structure and the hero's journey with sales and marketing and kind of infused into it. So what happens is that acts one and three pretty much stay the same because that's kind of like 
setting up the audience, the goal, the obstacles, what they want. And then act three is kind of like the resolution, next steps, call to action. Act two is the main content. So what we tell our clients is that you can change out act two all you want. You want to teach on something different, or if you have a framework that has five parts of it, maybe you present two of the five, um, one presentation, and then maybe for a different audience, a different part of your framework would be more relevant to deep dive into. So that helps them to have a framework so they're not reinventing it every single time, but they're still able to customize it within it. I really like that, actually. That makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking for some reason on Shakespeare, where they have their acts, that you could almost do that with some of Shakespeare's plays, like set the scene, the context, the characters, but you could take act two as what really happens and unfolds, that then leads into act three. I really like that. I don't know why I was thinking of that on that moment, but I could see how that could apply to being able to do that. And then you can use it in different contexts for different events, et cetera. I guess the question that might be on top of people's minds is obviously there's lots of frameworks out there for you to do to develop your talk, but I really love the hero's journey. And I've seen that come through in quite a few things and taking people on that arc of the story. And even as an author, you kind of have to do that as well, depending on your book and what you're trying to put across. You do really need to show people where they're at, what could happen, and then the resolution. I guess my question around that was, once you've developed all this and they can come to you for that or various people, whoever they resonate with, the importance then I think about really making the most of that is the next step, right? So what have you just seen even from some of your clients and in the innovative ways that they've managed to use their signature talk to develop opportunities, especially as an entrepreneur? I'd just be curious to see if there's any surprising examples in there of people who've used it in a different way. When COVID happened a year ago, a lot of our clients obviously repurposed their in-person talks into webinars, into virtual presentations. And so there are some adjustments you do have to make between in-person speaking and virtual speaking just because of audience engagement, audience interactivity really has to go up dramatically when you're online versus in-person. So they definitely did that. I've also seen clients take what we've done with their signature talk and repurpose it into email sequences. So Mm. they'll just kind of write out a little bit more detail and they'll do like a five email sequence related to the content. Cause again, it all like audience goal, audience problem. What is it that you need help with? Here's how we can help you. Here's your next step. So I've seen that a lot. I've also seen them do podcast series. They've taken it and done podcast series based on the content. So it really becomes a foundation for so much of the content that they want to put out. And one of our clients who just graduated from the thought leader Academy, she launched a new podcast as her thought leadership project. And it's around travel can heal. So that's her hashtag. The challenge that she's doing in her podcast is seeing how travel can be a kind of like a way to heal from trauma and from other things that have gone on in people's lives, because that's what she experienced. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that she's taking this one concept that she started with in the academy and how has like so many different legs that she can continue to use in her business, then also supports this mission that she's passionate about. I love that. And I'm also curious to see how that's going in a time when travel is quite difficult, but starting to open up. When I was a digital nomad, I used to say about being a tourist in your own town and what was just down the road and discovering some of those little museums or cafes or places that you never see and opening your eyes to that. Even that can be quite a healing and cathartic experience. So I wish her luck with that. But yeah, a big one to try and chew off in this particular time. And I think travel is going to change quite dramatically. I can't Um, wait. I'm like ready to go. I'm sure most people are after not being able to go anywhere for a year. Yeah, true. I mean, we're a little luckier here in New Zealand. Like I'm heading away to Christchurch this weekend on a little domestic flight, but even just getting on a flight is quite exciting and being at the airport. Yeah, it's quite amusing, isn't it? To think you used to do that all the time and it was just home. 
I'd actually love to come back to you because I think it's really neat that you made that shift after sort of 10 years of speaking and co-founding into going, well, how do I coach people on this? So I'd love to know the journey of what you started out on. Like, did you start with just some one-to-one clients? Did people start approaching you before you had the idea and saying, Carol, you've done so many talks and I'd love to know how you do it and how you develop your talks and how you go about getting bookings? Or was it really something that you're like, this is my sweet spot. Let's go for it. It was very intentional. So this was early 2015, like spring of 2015. And again, I knew I wanted to kind of start a new business, kind of just ramp down the technology business and the clients that we had. And so I started looking around and seeing what is out there in the entrepreneurial online space and where could I fit in? And I knew I wanted a very well-defined niche so that clients understood what exactly that I did. And then again, this thinking, like, I love public speaking. People have always told me I'm good at it. That's a great niche. Let's do that. And originally my idea was to do an online course because back in 2014, 2015 courses were huge. And so I started kind of thinking about that, but I ended up going to my local network because I had a pretty robust network where I live and started talking to them. And one of the organizations invited me to do a workshop for their members. And that was my first paid, like my first payment into speaking your brand was from a workshop that I did for this organization. And then after that, so I got some one-on-one clients from that workshop. And then I was a member of some mastermind groups, not at the same time, but like consecutively different mastermind groups. And a lot of my clients initially came from there because they got to know me. We knew each other. They were women entrepreneurs. They wanted to do speaking. So they hired me. And that's really how speaking your brand started in the first couple of years was just building networks, both in person and online. I love that. When did you develop your framework? Was that quite early on or did it come as you talk to more clients and you started to see their pain points. Well, this is great, Natalie. Also, for those of you listening who may be a little bit newer in your business is that I knew how to create a presentation for myself, but then I had to figure out how do I help (laughs) someone else create a presentation when it's their content, they have to deliver it. They have to make it their own. Like I can't just put words in their mouth because they need, it needs to be something that resonates with them. So that was definitely an evolution. My pricing started very low <laughs> compared to what it, is, you know, what it yeah. has gone over time, but that was okay. Cause I needed that practice. I needed to understand how to work with them. So after doing that for about a year, I started realizing, Oh, like I keep asking them all these very similar questions. I would use Google Docs and like take notes and then rearrange and do all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, I'm always rearranging in this order. I'm always asking questions in this order. So then I developed this poster board with post-it notes on it that has the three acts. And then we would sit down on Zoom and I would do the whole board with them for their talk and from beginning to end with these post-it notes on it. Because then I can rearrange as we're talking and figure out this story goes better over here and this example goes better over there. And so that was probably about a year or two. And then that process kind of gelled and it's just been now iterating since then. I love that. And just showing the path, right? And the journey, it's very rare that somebody just pops out and goes, here it is. And often it's through all those one-to-ones and through those questions and really starting to look, oh, there's a pattern developing here. How do I capitalize on that? How do I make it easier for myself and my clients? Because most clients that I have and I know they want a formula, they want a framework, they want a system that they can plug and play and and put their own unique stuff into. And as somebody who's a real freedom seeker, I've often given people lots of freedom, like, yeah, sure, you can follow this, but or you could do this. And over time, I've come to realize there's a lot of freedom within a structure that somebody can take. So I love that you did that. But also that was three years in the making. And so at that point, when you had that, you were still doing one-on-one, did you introduce other offers or what started kind of coming on your radar around 
creating more revenue streams to scale up and reach more people. Yeah. So I had been doing those workshops, which again was multiple people, but that was in person at the time. And then I ran my first small group program about a year, year, year and a half after I had started speaking your brand. And that was on speaking proposals. So it was only four weeks long. I'm a big experimenter. I love to experiment, collect the data and see what works. So I did that. Then I ran another small group program the following year and then took a hiatus from group programs for about a year and a half, almost two years. Cause I was just so busy with one-on-one work. Like I just had enough clients coming in and I really enjoyed the one-on-one work that I didn't need to run any groups at the time. And then I got too busy. So I hired our least speaking coach to help out. And then actually doing that freed up my mental space where I could start thinking, oh, let's develop another group program because I had heard that I could rely on for not only the group, but also for some one-on-one work. And so having that mental bandwidth, our group programs again in 2019. So 2019, 2020, and now into 2021. Love it. Do you mind if I ask, like, can you remember your first coaching rate? And you don't have to say what it is now, but just like, just so people know where you start from. What was like yeah. the first So when I rate? first started, this would be kind of like tail end of 2015, I think it was probably about $1,000. And then into 2016, it was probably about $1,800. And now to coach with me is $7,500. And to coach with my lead speaking coach is $5,500. And then our Thought Leader Academy has various tiers, depending on which one you want to enroll in. That's awesome. And that's for a a series of coaching sessions. So like sort of a package where you take them through that. I like that you still have the one-to-one and I like that because you enjoy it. If you didn't enjoy it, it would be like one of those things you'd like immediately go into a scalable program. And then the Thought Leadership Academy, when did you develop that and why did that come about? Partly you sort of mentioned it, but. This is a great story, Natalie. And so I know you like to do like the behind the scenes of people's businesses and processes. So when COVID happened in March, 2020, obviously our clients speaking engagements got canceled. Mm. And then I started thinking, well, who's going to need public speaking? Like, why would anyone want to work with us or hire us? Because I'm sure speaking is going to be like low on the priority list. We're in a crisis. We're in a pandemic. People, you know, want to know what's going on with their businesses. So during that summer, I was like, I kind of had the existential crisis. Well, like, does this mean like the business is over? I mean, obviously I didn't know that, but there was still a lot of doubts about what this was going to look like. So I decided to survey our clients. So I sent us just like a survey form to fill out to all of our clients who had paid us. So not to our general email list, but to paying clients. And I asked them questions like, why did you hire speaking your brand? What results did you get out of it? And what else would you like? And I had them rank some different keywords like thought leadership, creating a visibility plan, repurposing signature talk, things like that. From that survey came this idea of thought leadership, which I had no idea was what our clients, like they knew that's what we were doing, but I didn't know that's what we were doing. Or I didn't Mm. know if those were the words that they were using. And towards the end of the summer, I started thinking, well, okay, we can create a program around this, which still has speaking at its core, but it's no longer that market, that dream of go stand on a stage at a conference and deliver your talk. It's more like, how can you develop your thought leadership message, your project and your signature talk for virtual, but eventually then you can use it for in-person when we get back there. And that's where our summit was born. And that's where the Thought Leader Academy was born. I love that. And it all came out of COVID. And the amount of innovation that has come out of COVID for all the trauma, heartache, I know, but the amount of innovation has been amazing. I mean, that's when I launched my 10K club at a time that I thought, who's going to want to pay for like this coaching accountability, this program, this framework, when 
people were dialing back, losing money left, right and centre. And turns out, yeah, people actually wanted support more than ever, coaching more than ever. And they finally had the time to work on their business rather than in it. So I love that you did that. And how important has the summit been to that? It's really cool that you run a summit. I think you run it sort of twice a year and you have these thought leaders coming in to do sort of TEDx style talks, as you mentioned. So it's slightly different to a summit, but really cool. What made you want to develop that? Yeah. So last summer really was a very like introspective time because mm-hmm. there was nothing else to do. So I went on a lot of walks and, you know, was really like thinking a lot. And I decided to do the series on my podcast called Speaking Your Brand on thought leadership. So I researched a bunch of thought leaders to figure out like what made them thought leaders. So I looked at Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and Rachel Rogers and a couple others. And as I was doing that, I found these common elements and I ended up creating an acronym called VOICE. So the V-O-I-C-E stands for different elements of the voice uh, thought leadership model. And then one thing that they had in common was what I call a thought leadership container. So we have our business and we put out our content all the time, but we need a container so that our audience can participate in it, like a bucket, like they can pick up and go share and go spread to others and make it their own. And so I thought, well, and here, if I'm telling our listeners on the podcast that this is what they should be doing, we need to walk our talk. And what is our thought leadership container going to be for speaking your brand? And I thought, well, let's do a summit. We have to go virtual anyways. We're a speaking company. We might as well showcase women speakers, help them develop their TED style talks, and then have them deliver it at this one day online event. So that's what we did. And then we decided to promote the Thought Leader Academy as part of that event. And we sold out the Academy. And I know it's a direct result of having done that summit. That is so fantastic. I love it. And as you said, positioned you as a thought leadership, allowed you to shine the light on other thought leaders, was a really, really beautiful tie-in to lead into that Thought Leadership Academy. And probably something fantastic to do during COVID when everybody was locked in for once and could actually be like, yeah, I'm available for that because I'm not off traveling the world speaking or doing this. Yeah, really, really brilliant. And is that sort of the main staple of your business? So you have your high level one-to-one coaching and you have your thought leadership program, really, really nice and focused. Do you still do workshops from time to time? Yeah, as well. Yes, we do get requests from clients, usually clients who have worked with us us one-on-one and then they want us to do workshop trainings for their teams and or for they may be running conferences themselves or events themselves and they want us to do a, like a segment or a session for their attendees on public speaking and on thought leadership so we'll do that so I know there's a lot of business coaches out there and I totally understand about having like one offer that you promote and that's it I tend again I don't like to put myself in a box so if a client comes to us and says they want a workshop training on public speaking for their team and we can put it together and the price is fair for us and fair for them, then we do it. Yeah. I love that. Have you done the wealth dynamics profile test by any chance? No, I haven't heard of that. It's Roger Hamilton and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's really good. It's kind of your entrepreneurial style of how you like to work. And I get a feeling that you might be on the creator star profile just because I'm a star and they love speaking on stage and sharing and teaching and shining the light on others. But creators are constantly coming up with new ideas and innovating (laughs) And why I mentioned right back at the start of this podcast, when you were talking about some people just love one talk and they can give it all the time and they never get bored and you prefer more variety and creativity as do I, but I've worked with a friend in the past who teaches the wealth dynamic profile and he's a trader. And so he's very comfortable giving the same talk again and again and again and again, like 
It doesn't bore him. He loves it. He develops a deep knowledge around it, whereas that be my definition of insanity. So I'm just curious, maybe it'd be a test that you'd quite like to take. And it, it really shows you more about your entrepreneurial style, although it sounds like you're pretty clued into it. And also who you need on your team for that. So I imagine the person that you brought in to be your sort of head coach or coach with you probably has a nice complementary skill set to what you offer. Is that fair to say? Or are they like you? We were pretty much clones of each okay. other. All right. All right. Cool. Well, that probably works because it's a similar style, but at some point there'll probably be somebody else you come on who's more of that methodical, just really grounded, likes doing it because each different style appeals to different people, right? So that's Oh, really- yes. I've been building my team for the past four or five months now. And definitely I have realized that even though I'm very detail oriented, I don't like documenting processes. I just keep it all in my head. And I know like this needs to go out now or these people need to get this. And my executive assistant is like, Carol, I think we need to like document this stuff because I don't know what steps are in between all of these things. (laughs) That's so refreshing to hear. I think we might be really similar. Like I have a lot of detail that I can hold up in here and I just know what I need to do. And my team are kind of like, hmm. So yeah, I think it's very, very key that I'm glad you're doing that because people can't access your head. And I imagine just sort of closing this out, it's been such a fun talk. I know we could talk a lot more, but it just must be so rewarding to see your clients get up there, nail their talks and really develop this as a bow, a strength as well that they can use and really change lots of people's lives. So is that a big part of what drives you and what you do? Oh, yes. So our mission at Speaking Your Brand is to empower women to tell the stories that need to be told. And so the stories sometimes are personal stories that lead into their bigger idea messages. Sometimes the stories related to their businesses and their own clients. So whatever it happens to be. And I know that for me, getting up every day, it's not about the dollars in the bank account, which obviously we need because I want to pay my team and all of that. But really, it's the mission that gets me to do what I do every single day. And when I have clients and summit attendees and podcast listeners write to us and say, you're not just creating a business, you're creating a movement. And it's a movement that inspires me and that I want to be a part of. And they tell us that, that I know uh, we're doing something right. Oh, that's so beautiful. That is inspiring in itself. And you're so right. Mission is so important. It's part of my framework. Probably one of the first things in my framework that I teach people is to have that vision and mission behind you, because without that, it's just a business, right? It's not as rewarding. You don't have that real vision of where you're heading with it and who you want to impact. So I love that you mentioned that. This has been a blast. Where can people find out more about you if they want to develop their signature talk or even listen to your podcast, which I know you have? What's the best place for people to connect and thank you? Yes. And thank you so much, Natalie, for having me. And thank you so much for those of you listening. So if you're in your podcast app right now, go over and search for Speaking Your Brand. Lots of episodes. We have 220 plus on everything, thought leadership, public speaking, messaging, great interviews, solo episodes. We run the gamut. So there's definitely going to be some episodes there that will interest you. And then you can also go to speakingyourbrand.com slash untapped. So the name of Natalie's podcast, speakingyourbrand.com slash untapped. And there you can download our thought leadership workbook that has that voice acronym that I mentioned with those elements of being a thought leader, as well as ways to position yourself as a thought leader and question prompts in there as well. So that's a great resource for you. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Super easy to remember. Um, I will link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a blast. It's also got me excited about potentially speaking again, because I think you like you said, you can have hiatuses and I'm just about to go on my book launch tour here in New Zealand, at least. I love talking about books and sharing stories, but it's been a while since I've been speaking on stage. So it's got me excited and juiced for what you can do and the connections you can have and the impact and the conversations that you can start and continue with people. So 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Wasn't it great? I hope you learned a lot, even if you don't intend to ever speak on a stage, but just different ways in which you can develop a signature talk and then repurpose that into all sorts of goodness, webinars, podcasts, summits, you name it, books, whatever it may be, and really think about how you can extend your voice to reach a much wider audience and all the opportunities that come with that. If you want to grab the show notes for this, please come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash untapped and search on Carol Cox. This is episode 114. And I hope you enjoyed this. If you love this episode, if you want more episodes where we dive into not only handy tactics and strategies that you can use to monetize yourself more, but also behind the scenes of people's businesses, please let me know. Like, Give me a little review on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you're listening. It really, really helps to get the show found. And that is the direction I want to take it. I want to get more raw and honest and real with you about how others are monetizing themselves and how you can get paid to be you and tap into your potential. And if it's not too early to share, I am hosting my own virtual summit for the first time this year. It is happening at the end of May 2021. So if you would like to get on the early bird list for that or get a seat on that before anybody else, please come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash you because this is the Monetize You Summit slash experience. And I'm going to be sharing 10 ways to earn 10K a month and get paid to be you. I'm interviewing some incredible women entrepreneurs across such a variety of different things that you can apply for yourself. And it is going to be amazing. So nataliesisson.com forward slash you for early details and access. Thanks so much for listening to the Untapped podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson. Here's to having an incredible week ahead, tapping into your potential and getting paid to be you and making the income and impact you deserve. <laughs>